0: This week on The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature.
1: Love and ceremony and community can carry the pain so it can all come out and we can honor and bless each other's wounds and realize we're all in this together.
0: I'm Neil Harvey. This week it's wounds to warriors. In the wound lies the gift. On The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Pioneer's Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at OrganicValley.com. Warrior. The very word is a double-edged sword. It can signify a heroic fighter or deeply held values. Or it can glorify the horrors of war and violence. Can it also mean something else?
1: Our veterans and other survivors are on a transformational, moral, and spiritual journey that can take them from being a disabled veteran to being a spiritual warrior. And warriorhood has been an honored spiritual and social role and path throughout history.
0: Ed Tick is a psychotherapist working with veterans who have returned from the wars and armed conflicts that rage on planet Earth. In just the past five years, hundreds of thousands of people have been killed in Iraq and Afghanistan, Somalia, the Congo, the West Bank, Gaza Strip, and Israel, to name a handful of the ongoing conflicts. The wounded and displaced number in the many hundreds of thousands more. And then there are the low-intensity conflicts off the radar screen that produce so many casualties in every country and community around the world Child abuse and neglect can inflict warlike trauma, as do rape, gang wars, poverty, racism, and the economic genocide of Native peoples and vulnerable communities. Ed Tick is part of a growing movement to reclaim the word warrior from the war machine by connecting it back to its spiritual history. Wounded warriors have walked through fire. They carry the scars forever forever. Yet many have healed the wounds. Rather than turning away from those unimaginable war traumas, what can we learn from looking respectfully at their wounds? If we can bear to listen to the stories of the wounded, what might we discover about how to keep the peace? Join us for the next half hour as we explore Wounds to Warriors, In the Wound Lies the Gift, with Akilah Sherils, Ed Tick, and Eve Ensler. My name is Neil Harvey. Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature.
2: You know, I think that warrior from the perspective of like peace, you know, we live in a country where peace isn't defined. We think that peace is a utopian idea and we don't hold the same type of reverence for conflict in peace, you know, and it's a whole thing. You know, conflict is a healthy part of the human experience. But we live in a culture that actually tries to avoid conflict. You know, it's unresolved conflict that actually leads to violence. And peace is extremely difficult work, and sometimes in the process of peace, war happens. You know, so um, I think that it's really about a relanguaging and a reclaiming of the word peace as well as, you know, warrior. Yeah.
0: Street war veteran Akilah Sharils. Is an inspired community leader who has transformed his traumatic experiences through a deep commitment to peace. He works to build bridges of reconciliation by sharing the gift he found in his wounds across communities and cultures. At a recent Bioneers Conference, Akilah Sherils joined psychotherapist Ed Tick and women's rights activist Eve Ensler to share their perspectives on the gift of
2: wounding. I would say that, um, you know, tragedy. It's an initiation, actually. It exposes us to a gift of, like, insight, of intuition, in many cases that, you know, without the experience, you don't have. One of my beliefs is that uh, where the wounds are in the personal life is actually where the gift lies.
0: Akilah Sharils has lost more than a dozen friends and family members to gang violence. His response? He has traveled the world brokering peace. He is best known for creating the 1992 peace agreement between the Los Angeles gang rivals the Bloods and the Crips. Sherrill's advocates a peacemaking process that is part of what he calls the Reverence Movement. It encourages people to see the sacredness in one another, which Sherrill says is the only true path to
2: reconciliation. I know that in my own personal life, being you know, a victim of sexual and physical abuse you know, in my own household, if I didn't have that experience, it actually wouldn't, uh, you know, I've been able to, to metamorphose the experience because, you know, first I was able to forgive myself, and then it was a process of being able to bring it to the perpetrator as a gift. You know, yeah, there's just something that's, that's, uh, that's uh, I would say, intrinsic in, like, the experience that African Americans have experienced in this country as, as it relates to slavery and Jim Crow, I think it prepares the soul for something much more profound to give. So the connection you know, that I have to people is because of my understanding of this wound and not seeing it as, uh, oh, this is a problem in my life, Mm -hmm. but really metamorphosing it and seeing it as a gift. Um, But I've discovered that as I travel across the country and and I, I speak to different audiences and groups and always after I tell my story, there's a silence in the room because it's a taboo to talk about, you know, those type of violations, you know, that have happened in our personal life it's like the whole room kind of like steals. Nobody wants to move or anything because folks don't want anybody to know that they've had the exact same experience. But, you know, recently I was um, speaking at a juvenile facility in Denver, Colorado to young men, uh, basically 14 to 18, you know, some who were on their way to prison and, you know, some who were about to get out. So I'm telling them my story, and after I finish, I can see in some of the young men's eyes who probably didn't have the courage to speak it because the institution is a place that you get preyed on if if you're, you know, vulnerable, in a sense. And, um, but the biggest surprise for me was that there was an elder in the room, a woman, she was like in her mid-70s, and, you know, you saw that she had some health problems. She had an oxygen tank and stuff that she carried with her. And after everybody kind of cleared out, she came up to me and, um, you know, she was like, baby, I just want to hug you. So she hugged me. And then she held my hands and she looked in my eyes and she said, you know, thank you so much for sharing that story. She said, I'm 73 years old. And she said, it happened to me too. And this is the first time I've ever even spoke these words. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so, and a lot of times, you know, when we've had that type of experience, we feel like it's the responsibility of the perpetrator to forgive us. You know, however, the gift is in forgiving yourself, you know, first. It's an initiatory process, you know, and it leads to the process of compassion, being able to put yourself in the shoes of others. Um, because every, every perpetrator is a victim. It's a full circle, so it's about not judging the experience because, you know, the experience only informs our life. It's not who we are.
0: Akila Shariels. In his book War and the Soul, psychotherapist Ed Tick writes that the Greeks revered their warriors, but they also understood the trauma caused by war. The Greek word trauma means a puncture, and it can also be a hole in the soul. No one gets out of war alive. Tick is renowned for his innovative work with survivors of severe trauma and violence. He takes veterans on healing and reconciliation journeys back to the scene of the trauma.
1: One of my trips to Vietnam, we visited Milai, Lai, where the atrocity, the massacre happened. And I met a woman who was 75, and she was a survivor of the massacre. She was the only one of her family who survived. So parents, siblings, children, all wiped out. And I asked her how life was for her, and she said, it's, it's been very, very painful. Uh, I wish I had died on that day with my family and my village, it's much harder to survive and carry this kind of wound than it is to die with your people. And I said, Bach, grandmother, in Vietnamese, Bach, I understand and I grieve with you. Well, I'm an American and my people came here and massacred your village, so how do you feel about us being here? And she said, oh, please don't keep away because of my pain. You need to come where glad Americans come, and we all must witness this story and carry it together. And I thanked her and said, yes, I understand, Bach, and I continue to grieve with you, but how do you feel about our veterans? Making war on your people, some of them might have been right here in Milai, some of them might have participated in the massacre. What do you, how do you feel about them? What do you have to say to them? And she said, often, I think, the only reason I survived was so I could live to this day to welcome the American veterans here and take their hands and look in their eyes and help them heal. That's become the purpose of my life. So, wounds are beautiful. Our wounds open our hearts and lead us into the place where we can share pain, and when we do that, as this Vietnamese elder said to us, when we can go into the pain together. The pain is so bad that it feels like it would destroy us. But love and ceremony and community can carry the pain so it can all come out and we can honor and bless each other's wounds and realize we're all in this together. Akhil and I are brothers not only because of our solidarity, but because I carry the same wounds. And we could sit down now, look in each other's eyes, and we know what it's like to survive physical abuse and sexual abuse. Wounds, common wounds bring us together and we enter into a healing space together by sharing the pain. The worst thing we can do is cover over the wounds, deny their existence, and force the pain back down.
3: I'm so moved by everything both are saying, really. And it's very moving to hear men openly talk about being wounded and sexually wounded. And I think if more men were talking about it, things would change really quickly. Um, So I just want to admire your bravery in doing that.
0: Eve Ensler is an outspoken playwright and author who founded a global movement to end violence against women and girls. V-Day has raised over $60 million through worldwide performances of her play, The Vagina Monologues. She knows the depth of courage it takes to speak one's most personal truth.
3: You know, I, I think wound is such a, an incredible word, wound, because it's so it's close to womb, and and there's something about wounds that they're openings. You know, when you're wounded, you're opened. Um, you know, for me, being a survivor of sexual violence, a lot of it, it tore open something in me that's never really been reconstructed. And it's been an incredible gift and it's been incredibly painful. It's both, you know, it's living in the wound. But I also think we become permeable. We become able to go into and be open to everyone. You know, it opens the door. And I of wanna tell a little story too. There was a little girl um, when I was in the Congo she was this beautiful nine-year-old girl who had this incredible spirit, and she had been, her mother was taken in one direction in the middle of the night, her father in another, and her in a third, and she was held, and she was gang-raped for two weeks. And when she was returned, um, she had fistula, so it meant she had a hole inside her, so she couldn't hold her pee or poop. And. Many, many women in the hospital I was in had fistula, 250 of them in this community of raped women, and more were arriving every day. But she was this spirit. She was this incredible spirit. At one point, I just took her, and I put her on my lap, and um, as she was on my lap, she peed because she has no ability to hold her pee. I think for me, that was probably one of the most powerful moments of my entire life because I felt that she had come into me and I was with her. And I realized at that moment that nobody had held her since she'd been raped because everyone was so afraid of her Mm. peeing on them. And I felt like that pee was blessed. It was just this sacred water. And I think had I not gone through what I have been through that I would have been afraid in that moment where I felt really blessed in that moment, that she trusted me enough to sit on my lap and release herself to me. And, and I think, you know, I think the more willing we are to go into the wound, the more willing we are to go into our own wounds and open those wounds, whatever they are, if they're wounds of being a perpetrator. Because I think it's, ha- having worked in prison for eight years with women who committed violent crimes, to deal with what you've done to other people is actually harder, I think, mm-hmm. than dealing with what's been done to you. And I think all of us are perpetrators in one way or another. You know, We live in a racist, sexist, unequal world. So um, I feel blessed to be a wounded person. <laughs>
0: Eve Ensler. As spiritual warriors coming together to repair the damage of war and cultivate peace, Eve Ensler, Ed Tick, and Akilah Sharils reflect on the ancient question, what is the difference between justice and vengeance? Leader of the Reverence Movement, Akilah Sharils begins. Vengeance.
2: The first thing I thought about, you know, was the, the saying in the Bible where... God said that vengeance is his. Okay. Um, and I, I've, you know, I mean, I, I live in a war zone down in L.A. and uh, no stranger to, to violence and murder. Seeing that experience. Um, my oldest son was murdered. Um, uh, shot to death. And, uh, you know, if you, as you can imagine, I mean, man, it's like, I think it's something that you never like, really recover from. Hmm. And So many, like, feelings and, you know, thoughts came up in me once, you know, I got the message and went to the place where he was murdered and started kind of figuring out what was going on and what happened Hmm. that I'm still not clear about, honestly. So, you know, my question was, like, what's the gift in this tragedy? And at the same time, I'm contemplating this conversation. You know, law enforcement, without a murder weapon or somebody coming forward to testify, there's nothing that they can literally do you know, whereas the streets has its own rules. So three days later, some of the homies in the neighborhood came to me and told me the kid's name, where he lived at, all of this stuff, and, uh, you know, it was like, man, let's go by tonight, and we can take him out. So one of the things that I shared with them, and this was including some of my family members, and with uh, the homies in the neighborhood, was that that's the conditioned response. And I know that all of you have heard this before, that if we keep playing this game, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that we're gonna all be blind and toothless, you know? and i said that's what the system wants us to do gentlemen is to respond in that way i said but you know i said we're going to fool them i said because this young man although he took my son's life he's a victim as well i'm like he he's a victim of a of a culture that lacks humility and compassion he's a victim of a culture that sees love as an idea as opposed to a practice mm-hmm. My belief, you know, I believe in the divinity of human beings. I'm like, given the opportunity, this young man can give back 10 times out of the average person because of this piercing, because of this initiation that he's, he's gone through. 17 years old, you know, my belief is that people take lives you know, for one reason in many cases, and it's out of fear. The question that I have for the young man, you know, hopefully one day I'll get an opportunity to meet him, is what happened you know, in your life? To cause you to have so much fear in which you would take another human being's life. Talk with their parents and, and ask where they feel like they lost connection with their child or if they ever felt like they had a connection. To work with them, with him, with the you know, the system to ensure that this young man gets the proper counseling and therapy that he needs in order to become a balanced human being. Because, you know, when the body dies, it releases an energy that can be harnessed to do what we perceive as good things or bad things. And, you know, my belief is that You know, we can perpetuate the negative. I'm like, who am I to condemn this young man to death? Or anyone, you know, when I grew up in the neighborhood, individuals I call my friends who have done, you know, heinous things, you know, and even include myself, you know, I know Angel, done all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, in my life. I'm like, um, I am this young man. And who am I to judge? You know, one of the esoteric terms that Jesus of Nazareth said in the Bible, he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So I'm like, how do we find a way to be able to to expand our hearts even more? Because it's a gift, there's a gift in a broken heart.
0: Akilah Sharils. How then do survivors of these kinds of conflicts and wars move beyond victimization and vengeance to healing? Women's rights defender Eve Ensler says wounded warriors must come to understand their power.
3: I like something you said. It makes me think a lot about uh, the difference between seeking justice and vengeance, and and the distinction between the two. Because I know for many years, I used to have fantasies about killing my father. Um, It was an ongoing fantasy in my mind, and it was really how I survived. I would just imagine all the different ways that I murdered him, because he was really violent and destroyed me on a daily basis. And then one day, it occurred to me that as I kept that rage alive and those fantasies, vengeance alive, I remained his victim. Mm -hmm. And I remain embroiled in his dance and that he had created. And there's something about vengeance that's about upholding a victim's status and I'm no longer interested in being a victim. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe in victims anymore. I believe that we are all very powerful. And I think there is something about the fierceness of fighting for justice without it crossing over to vengeance that I'm really interested in. Like, what is that line? In the same way that I'm interested in what is protest and what is going all the way up to a certain point that isn't violent, but where it's clear that you'll give your life to change something. And I think I think that, the, that we have to really shift consciousness away from vengeance. It feels very... Um, Well, it feels very patriarchal, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: um. Mm -hmm. Psychotherapist Ed Tick has led hundreds of vets back to Vietnam with the purpose of facing the people and places that suffered the trauma of war, including themselves. It's a life-changing ritual of healing that acknowledges the wounded warriors on all sides.
1: A wonderful story to illustrate this, again, from Vietnam. You all remember Kim Phuc, who was the girl in the famous photograph running naked after she had been napalmed. She lives in Canada now, and she's still in pain from her skin grafts, but she's okay, she's good, she's become an international peace activist. And she's spoken at our Vietnam Memorial Wall in DC. Her brother, Tom, T-A-M, was also in that picture. He's in front of Kim, and he still had some clothes on, but he was hit by napalm also. And half of his face was burned, and one of his eyes was burned out. I've spent some time with Tom. He still lives in the house they lived in as children, right in front of which they were napalmed. Tom proudly displays his prosthetic eye. And it was given to him as a gift from North Americans who wanted to say, we're sorry. So instead of an eye for an eye being a symbol and a call to vengeance, we can change that meaning so that an eye for an eye means I'll give what I took. I'll give back to you what I took from you. We will be different forever. Tom has a false eye, that's a wound. But what he says is, I can see better through my heart with this false eye because American and Canadian friends gave it to me than I was ever able to see with two good eyes. Hmm. And so there's a gift in the wound and putting aside the desire for vengeance and instead, We can never be the same as we were before we were wounded, so we misunderstand justice when we try to get back to what we were before. But when we accept the wound and accept the loss and grieve it together and then restore, then we achieve justice without vengeance.
0: Justice without vengeance can bring peace. As Ernest Hemingway wrote, the world breaks everyone, but some grow strong in the broken places. Ed Tick, Akilah Shireels, and Eve Ensler are warriors, broken open by their wounds, now return from agonizing extremes of human suffering to guide us in repairing our wounded world. Wounds to warriors, in the wound lies the gift. Downloads of this program and many other Bioneers radio shows are available on the radio pages at Bioneers.org or by calling 877-Bioneer. That's 877-246-6337. Visit Bioneers.org where you can learn how to attend the annual October Bioneers National Conference and local beaming Bioneers conferences. Purchase the radio series, conference CDs and DVDs, and Bioneers books. Join the thriving online Bioneers community and become a Bioneers member or make a donation. All at Bioneers.org or by calling 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive Producer, Kenny Ossibel, Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ossibel. Senior Producer, Neil Harvey. Managing Producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management Aaron Leventman and Chuck Castleberry. Station relations by Creative PR. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Reference Media Group. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Rikodisc label. Additional music was made available by Vox Mundi Music at voxmundi at yahoo.com. For more music information, If you love Bioneers Radio, it's free and easy to support us. Just take a moment to post a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find our show online. You'll be helping other people find and enjoy these incredible thinkers and storytellers. And thank you for helping us out. Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food
3: with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com.